If you'll please turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 can be found on page 512 in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. And let me just make a request here. Will everyone please try to find a copy of the scriptures and look? Because children, you too, look on with your parents if you need to. Pull the Bible out in front of you. Uh, I'm going to be showing you some things from the psalm here that aren't going to make sense unless you're looking at it. And so I know some of us are visual learners, some of us are auditory learners, but God gave us his word in a book. And so it's important for us to know that book, to look at that book, and to understand what it means. And so we're beginning a new sermon series for the summer that will cover May, June, and July, looking at this longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all 176 verses every week. Um, that would make my sermon preparation a lot shorter if I did that. I would just, it would take up the whole time. <laughs> so, but we're going to do eight verses at a time, and I'm going to tell you why here shortly. So, Psalm 119, we're going to look at the first section here, uh, verses 1 through 8. And this is God's holy word to us this morning. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Who seek him with all their whole heart. Who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Let's pray. Oh, fathers, we read earlier, your word is sweeter than drippings from the honeycomb. It is more precious than gold, yea, than much fine gold. So, Lord, help us to treasure and value and see the sweetness of your word as we study this psalm this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all agree that the Christian life is much like a roller coaster? Uh, I like roller coasters. I can't do the ones that spin around anymore, but the ones that go up and down and the peaks and the valleys, I mean, that's kind of what the Christian life can, can feel like, can seem like sometime, right? Uh, we're on these, these highs and these peaks in our spiritual lives and we feel like we're close to God and we're, we're worshiping him and we're experiencing joy and delight. And that's, that's the good stuff in the Christian life. But then as we live life, as we, we get older, we know there, there are lows. There are those, those peaks and those valleys when we, we feel very distant from God. It would be easy to think that the Christian life is, is only about the highs. It's only about the peaks. You know, having that next great experience, that next big spiritual high. That's where God is. He's on the mountaintops. That's when he's real. That's when he loves me. That's when I feel like I'm doing the Christian life well. But the truth is we, we do go through lows. Life is ups and downs. 
We experience valleys. We even experience these low places in our walk with the Lord. So what are we to do in these valleys? What can we do in these low places? I'll tell you what I do. I don't go back to my seminary notes when I'm in a low place spiritually. I don't I don't remind myself, hey, you have a master's of divinity, straighten up. <laughs> I don't look for the next inspirational quote on my wall or on the internet. I've often gone time and time again to Psalm 119. I go to this psalm. This psalm has ministered to me year after year my whole adult life, and I hope that it is minister to many of you, and if not, maybe going forward, it will. It'll be a well of cool water for you to go to and drink from daily. Psalm 119 can can be a, a great blessing to you devotionally, to spend time with the Lord. Every one of you, children, you know, adults, students, all of us can Use this psalm to to grow, and I hope to to show you more how you can do that going forward. But the reason why I go to this psalm, this longest chapter in the Bible, is because of its its simple structure, and it's uh, uniquely organized to to help us to grow in the Christian life. And again, I'm going to show you a little more of that here in a bit. The simple truth, though, of this psalm Psalm 119, and the reason why we're going to study it this summer is it shows us this truth, that the way of blessing, that the way of blessing is to love God by loving his word. The way of blessing, the way to experience blessing is to know God by knowing his word that is just as important on the highs as it is on the lows. Blessed are those who love the word is what this psalm is teaching us. And that's what we're to understand from Psalm 119. If you're looking at it in your Bible, please keep looking there. You might begin to notice that it takes on a structure, on a unique form. It is what is called an acrostic poem. So an acrostic is, you know, you... You take, like, uh, you've maybe heard me talk about Acts Prayer. Acts Prayers, A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration. C stands for confession. T, thanksgiving. S, supplication. That's, a, that's an acrostic. Well, if you had a Hebrew Bible in front of you that, that read from right to left, top to bottom, and it looked like scribbles on a page, you would begin to notice something in this Hebrew that this Really long, highly stylized poem in Hebrew takes on a a shape and a form that's very, very unique and interesting. So this psalm is 176 verses, the longest chapter in the Bible. There are 22 stanzas, so it works its way out like a poem. So 22 sections, and each section is eight verses. And each, each verse begins with the, that sequential letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So 
Our alphabet goes A to Z. Uh, the uh, Hebrew alphabet goes uh, Aleph to... Um, oh, I just forgot. I should already have known this. <laughs> Somebody help me out that took Hebrew last week. Tall. No? Yes. Tall. Aleph to tall. 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Some maybe debate 23, but it's 22. Uh, <laughs> And so each section begins with that sequential letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So again, if you're looking at your Bibles, you may notice at the top of verse 1, it says Aleph. It's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If you go to the top of verse 9, your Bibles may say Beth. That's the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It keeps going through. That's actually inspired words in Scripture that are there to help us see the form and the structure of this uh, Hebrew poem. Very highly stylized. Uh, English teachers out there might have studied this and looked at it to show its, its beauty, how unique, how, how well formulated and, and beautiful it is. And we can say simply that it's that way because that's who God is. God is beautiful and, and, and organized. And, and this is a, a love song, if you will, to the word of God. And so our sermon series is going to consist of going through these sections one at a time. We won't get to all 22, but we're going to try to hit the, the, the best of them. William Plummer, the old pastor scholar, called this psalm the saint's alphabet. I like that. It's the saint's alphabet. It is, it is wisdom literature. You, the scriptures are con, constantly calling out, especially like Proverbs and some of the Psalms and, and Job and Ecclesiastes. Do you want wisdom? Get wisdom. This Psalm teaches us the way of wisdom is to know God and to know his word. As we work our way through it, you'll also notice, and this is incredible to me, that Almost every single verse, all 176 verses, except for like three that I found, some found a little more, mention the Word of God. 176 verses. Almost all of them mention the Word of God in some form using some synonym like the law of the Lord, the testimonies of the Lord, the statutes, the precepts, the commands or commandments, the rules, the ways, the the words, all of these are talking about the scriptures. And every single verse, the psalmist mentions it. So the psalm, this psalm, all 176 verses, you won't read it and, and notice that there's one single thought running throughout every verse. It's not like a, a story per se. But what you will notice is that, again, every stanza, every verse is drawing us to love the Lord by loving his word. And so Matthew Henry said, this psalm is a, is a chest of golden rings rather than a chain of golden links. You can reach in there and pull out these rings. It's just, just full of nuggets of, of truth and wisdom and beauty. Here's what a few other... Uh, I like to call them old dead guys have said that his great Martin Luther said this about 100, Psalm 119. It contains prayers, consolations, doctrines, thanksgivings, 
and repeats all these with varied fullness. It is given forth with a deep and blessed intent. Namely, by this repetition and fullness, it may invite and exhort us to hear and to diligently treasure up the word of God. That's why we're studying this psalm, Psalm 119, so that we would be that we would be drawn and exhorted to diligently hear and treasure up the word of God. Jonathan Edwards says this about Psalm 119. I know of no part of the Holy Scriptures where the nature and evidences of true and sincere godliness are so fully and largely insisted on and delineated as in Psalm 119. Edwards was saying, you want to know how to live godly and be godly? Go to this psalm. And last, Hurel Jones says this. This, Psalm 119, is a summary of true piety in the Old and New Testaments. In the Old and New Testament, Psalm 119 is how we know to live and be godly. This psalm has long been held uh, being written by David. King David is considered by, in the Christian tradition to be the author. Other Jewish and Christian scholars have maintained that it might have been Ezra. But I believe that it was probably Daniel who wrote this. Emphasis on what I said, probably. Nobody knows for sure. The reason I think it's Daniel, and as we work our way through this psalm, we'll begin to notice that the, the psalmist talks about speaking before kings. He's almost writing as if he was in exile and not in the land. There's no references to the Jewish temple or anything like that. And so why am I telling you this? I'm not trying to read my commentaries to you. <laughs> I think it's going to be helpful for us to think about Daniel, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel in exile, as we begin to read and interpret and process how this psalm matters to the Christian life. So the authorship will help us. This psalm is an immersive experience into the divine law of God. All the beauty, all the excellency, the necessity of knowing God and knowing his word, it's, it's here in Psalm 119. It's chock full of applications and exhortations on how to live the Christian life and how to cling to God in, in those highs and in those lows, those times of stress, those times of depression, those times of need. And so Psalm 119 is rightly called the great psalm. So we're not going to cover all 22 stanzas, but we're going to dive as deep as we can into this great psalm and discover what God's word has for us. And so now as we come to the first stanza, verses 1 through 8, we'll see that each stanza contains some truths that we must know and that we must apply and the fundamental truth that I think that we need to see from this first stanza, I'm going to ask you in question form. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be happy? Do you, do you want to experience blessing in your life? This psalm says, here's how. 
here's what it looks like. And so let's examine two things from this first stanza, Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. The first is the way of blessing in the Christian life. And the second is the resolve of the heart to pursue blessing in the Christian life. The first is verses 1 through 4 talk about the way of blessing in the Christian life. So this psalm begins with a beatitude. Verse 1, blessed are those. Verse 2, blessed are those. Much like the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you may remember, begins with those eight wonderful beatitudes where Jesus is telling his disciples, here's what it looks like to be blessed. Here's what it looks like to be, to be happy and to receive the favor of the Lord. This is what blessing means, to be blessed, to, to divinely receive God's favor. The, the biblical definition of blessing, it goes far beyond just being happy or being content. Because being blessed by the Lord is to know and experience all the grace and the love and the favor of God our Father. Christopher Ashe says this, as we begin the psalm, here at the start is a great billboard that says, come this way for blessing. <laughs> don't get me started on those billboards around town. That, oh, don't get me started. I'll just be quiet. <laughs> Here's the billboard we need. <laughs> come this way for blessing. There's only one kind of human being who will be blessed. And the challenge to us is this. The man or woman who is blessed is not the one who rests in a status, but the one who walks in a way. The man or woman who would be blessed is not the one who rests in the status, but walking in a way. The one who is blessed walks in the way of the Lord. Look there in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who Walk in the law of the Lord. I've said this before. It's worth repeating. If you're looking there in verse 1, you may notice in your English Bibles that the word Lord is capitalized L-O-R-D. When you see that, you are to, to think, to know that's, a, that's an English convention to show it's talking about the proper name of God, which we sometimes say Yahweh or Jehovah. So when he says, blessed are those who walk in the way, the law of the Lord, that's Walk in the way of Yahweh, the, the covenant name of God, the, the God who says, I will be your God and you will be my people walk in my ways. And so this is a reminder to us that it's not the it's not the word that we're worshiping. We're not talking about worshiping our Bibles. We're talking about worshiping the one who wrote the Bible. We're talking about. Love and devotion to the Lord himself, the, the giver of the word of God. And so blessed are those who walk, the psalmist says. Blessed are those who keep. Blessed are those who seek the Lord through his word. That's what I love about this psalm. It, it keeps us on the way. It, 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 it gives us direction, it gives us focus, it gives us purpose, it tells us how to live the Christian life and, and walk with the Lord. Those who do this, those who walk and keep and seek, those who long for God through His Word, we see that the Word of God is like a mirror because it reflects 
the image and the characteristics of who God is. And so the word is, is valuable because God is valuable. The, the word is eternal because God is eternal. The word is perfect because God is perfect. The word is beautiful. The word is truth. The word is light because God is all of these things. The word points us to God. And that is why Jesus said, if you love me, you'll love my commandments. You'll love the word of God. You'll follow it. The Apostle John picked up on this theme and he stated, For this is love for God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And so blessed are those who walk in the way, but there's no separation between God and his word. We, we love God by loving his word. And this is why we make much of it. This is why we're going to spend a whole summer talking about it, pursuing it. So we may know God. And so there are great benefits to studying and walking in the word of God because it is how we know God. It is how we are blessed by knowing his word. A Christian's walk is in the obedience to the word of God. This is what it means to live godly, to follow the word of the Lord. This is the essence of what is being said here. There's, there's no other pathway to blessing. There's no other way to be truly devoted to God and to his word. We must keep the law of Yahweh and walk in them. That's all I me to ask you this morning. Are you walking in this walk? Are you, are you walking in this way? And if you're in one of those lows, or if you hadn't even gotten on the roller coaster, and you're struggling, how do I live the Christian life? What is it like? Let Psalm 119 help you. Read it. Think about it. Chew on it. Walk in the law of the Lord. You know, I, I don't just love to exercise. I know that's hard to tell from, from looking at me. I wish I did. I wish I loved to, to, to exercise and to take care of my body in a, in, a, in, a, in a better way. And it's not just natural for me, but I know I need to do it. I know I need to be healthy and exercise and eat right because my doctor says so. <laughs> and I want to live a prosperous life and take care of my family and have the stamina to do what I want to do. I know I have to do it. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with us thinking that pursuing God and his word is this way. We need to do it. We need it. We have to. Because as Christopher Ash said again, the life of discipleship is not a spectator sport. In other words, walking with the Lord is not something we can sit down and do. We, we have to do it. We have to pursue God and his word. And so discipleship is not looking to Jesus and thanking God that he lived the perfect Christian life for us and then move on. 
The discipleship is, is seeking and striving and trying to walk as Jesus walked and to love the commandments that he gave and to walk in the law of the Lord and seeking him with our whole heart. It's something we must do. And so, one pastor said again, there's never been and there never will be another, any other way of blessing than walking in the way of the Lord. There's never been and there never will be any other way of blessing than walking in the law of the Lord. Do you see that this is the way of the blessing in the Christian life? The psalmist says, blessed are those who walk and keep and seek God through his word. May God help us to do that. Secondly, let's look at the second part of the stanza, verses 5 through 8. And that is the resolve of the heart to pursue this blessing in the Christian life. The resolve of the heart to pursue this blessing in the Christian life. These verses, these verses 5 through 8, they help us understand how to apply the knowledge that uh, that walking in the way of the Lord is how we're to pursue blessing of, from God. And it looks a lot like having resolve and being diligent to pursue the statutes of God. At the beginning of the year, we all make New Year's resolutions, right? You know, I want to exercise more. I want to eat better. I want to sleep more. I want to read my Bible every day. We all make those resolutions. And here we... We see the psalmist making resolutions. We begin to notice in verse 4 that the psalm changes a little bit. And the way that it changes is it goes from these general statements in verses 1 through 3 about blessing, these kind of beatitudes, to almost as if for the rest of the entire psalm, all the way to the end, that the psalmist is addressing the Lord in prayer. He's seeking God. He's Asking God for help. He's asking the Lord for help, for desire, for resolve, for longing. And so these, these resolutions, these prayers, these petitions that he have, they, they show us the way. They show us how we are to live in the Christian life, how we are to petition God for help. This way that is not just knowing the commands of God, but doing them. Lord, give me grace to obey, the psalmist is saying. Lord, help me to be a doer of the word, is what this psalm is teaching. So these words reflect a deep longing for holiness. Lord, help me to be holy. And so how do you, how do you pray these verses? How do we have this mindset that the psalmist does look there in verse five. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes verse seven i will i will praise you with a with an upright heart when i learn your righteous rules i will keep your statutes i mean how do we how do we do that i think we simply just need to pray lord make me like that lord help me Help me to be like that. Help me to have that 
desire for you. And what the psalmist is praying for is resolve. Lord, help me to keep my resolutions. Help me to keep these desires. Give me the will and the strength to obey and to follow the law of the Lord. So William Plummer said this. He said, good resolutions are in their place good things. We have scriptural authority for making them. The promise of divine grace in enabling us to keep them and an assurance of eternal rewards to such as stick to them. Lord, help me to be like that. And so at the top of this psalmist's list of resolutions was love for God and love for his word. And it should be at the top of our list of resolutions. We could say, Oh, that I may be steadfast in keeping the law of the Lord. When I was in seminary, we were asked to model something that Jonathan Edwards done it, it did. And, you know, that was really depressing, you know, asking aspiring pastors to model the greatest American pastor that ever lived. <laughs> But we were to make a, a list of resolutions for our lives, kind of principles that we wanted to live by. And so the professor handed out uh, this list of resolutions that Jonathan Edwards had written, 70 of them, 70 principles, 70 resolutions that he wanted to live by. And he said, I want you guys to just do 12 of them. I'm like, Ooh, thank you. Uh, 70, that'd be hard. But here's number 28 on Edwards' list that I think it's biblical and helpful and drawn from this psalm. He says, resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. So, 1700s English, let me try to paraphrase that. He was saying, Lord, help me to study the scriptures, your word, every day, steadily, every day, constantly, every day, so frequently that it, it changes me utterly, that it, that it helps me to, to grow. Just like those plants are receiving sunlight and, and growing and, and water from the rain, they just can't help but grow. Lord, may I be so immersed in, in your word that I'm growing no matter what. What a resolution. And I, let me ask you this, and this is so convicting to me. I mean, is, that, is it in your top 10? Is this resolution, is this is this desire to, to know God's word and to know God through his word, is it, is it in your top ten list of priorities, meditating, reading, studying, memorizing, praying through the word of God so that you may learn to keep God's word and that it is changing you and molding you and helping you and there's nothing you can do about it because it's so good and so sweet and so effective. Perhaps this is something that you want to do, but you just don't feel like doing it. And that you, you just aren't making the time. If this is you, then, then try making this small adjustment in your thinking. And it's this. 
I think we would all say, hey, I need to read my Bible more. But rather than thinking of it this way, think of it this way, that walking and keeping and seeking the word of God, it's, it's how you seek God himself. It is knowledge of him that you are after, not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. Perhaps making that small adjustment. Lord, I want more of you. I want to know you more. And you've given me your word. You've given me the scriptures. You've given us the Bible to help us know you. I'm not trying to give you another guilt trip. Maybe a holy guilt trip. But, But an exhortation. Rather than me just saying you need to read your Bible more. Let me let me tell you the how and the what. Because I'm one of those people that is not great at coming up with a plan. But if you give me a plan, I will will try to follow it. So let me give you a plan. Psalm 119, 176 verses. Eight verses in each stanza, 22 stanzas. There are 22 days of time with the Lord. Read one stanza each day. It's so short, eight verses. Read it three times a day. Or three times in one sitting. Eight verses. Just meditate on it. Chew it. Think about it. And in 22 days, I mean, how many days does it take to make a habit? You know? 22 days later, if you can do that straight for 22 days, you will have all of a sudden developed a habit. A discipline. Of reading God's word and, and asking him, Lord, Help me to praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Meditating, walking, seeking, reading God's word. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast, the psalmist says, in keeping your statutes. And we can do that when daily we are immersed in the word of God. What a resolution. And so here we have the way of blessing. For 176 verses, the psalmist is going to make the case. We have words to help us, to give us resolve to keep the word and help our eyes be fixed upon the Lord by his word, all that so we may love God and praise him. And so maybe this morning, you're just not connecting with what I'm talking about. It's just another preacher telling you you need to do something that you don't want to do. Maybe you're thinking, why so much emphasis on the Bible and on the Word of God? Can't we talk about something else? Well, maybe the reason that you aren't getting this and you aren't connecting is this. We don't believe that this is just a book with words on it. We're not worshiping ink on on a page. We believe that the Bible is actually the God-breathed, spoken words of God, and we believe that it is living and active. And what we mean by that is when we actually read it, when we hear it, when we speak it, when we think about it, that it is working in us and, and changing us. And helping us to know God more. 
But the most important reason why we need to be reading it and we need to be in in it is because that's where we meet Jesus. This is where we hear about the Lord. We know him and we have communion with him and we learn from him and we, we walk as he did. And so if you are seeking this morning, if you're wondering what this is about, let me encourage you to read the scriptures. Let me encourage you to seek Jesus in the word. And you will, you will find that it is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. That it is purer and richer than gold, much fine gold, and you will experience blessing like you never had. Blessed are those who love the word, who walk in the ways of the Lord. Oh, that our ways may be steadfast in keeping God's word. Let's pray. Father, many of us have heard this message thousands of times that we need to be walking in your ways and and reading the word. Father, we just ask that you would help us to make that small adjustment in our thinking that it's not just reading for reading's sake, it is reading so that we may know you and love you. And so, Father, give us the resolve and the desire that we see that you gave the psalmist, that our ways would be steadfast in keeping your word, that our heart would be filled with praise when we learn your righteous rules, that we would be blessed in walking in your ways. Lord, help us to love Jesus by loving his commandments. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.